I spent the day uh, in the heat yesterday painting a side of my house. We moved in a couple of years ago, and the house has needed paint, and I finally got around to painting it. So yesterday, with a little bit of help from my boys, especially in the front end, just doing the prep work of setting up some tarps, I, I started painting. Now, this is like the one house project that I have confidence so our house has needed a lot of renovations, and most of it, man, I'm just like learning from YouTube or just trying to figure out like what we're doing. Made lots of mistakes. A painting, especially the exterior, man, I know what I'm doing. And part of that is because I, as a, when I was a teacher and then a seminary student, uh, I was I would paint. I painted for eight summers, so I spent a lot of time on ladders in the sun. So yesterday, I was able to get um, one whole side done of the house, one coat scraped and painted. It was awesome. It was very hot. And um, so I want to I I give you a couple tips if you ever find yourself having to paint your house, okay? Tip number one is scrape, then paint. Now, obviously, you don't want to scrape after you paint. But the point is, you want to get up on the ladder, scrape a whole section, make sure the drop cloths are down, and then paint it immediately, Okay? Saves a ton of time from just like scraping the whole thing. Super frustrating to just spend like days scraping. You'll never get anywhere because by the time you scrape that and the moisture comes, you'll have more paint to scrape the next day. Scrape than paint. Okay, tip number two. Just paint it. Just paint it. There's a question, just get the paint on there. It'll be fine. You'll deal with it again in five years, so it doesn't really matter, okay? Tip number three, don't spill the paint. And tip number four is, don't fall off a ladder. And this is the most important one. One summer when I was painting, uh, there was a huge rhododendron bush in front of uh, the Bonds house in Manchester. Painting the Bonds, and it's always tricky to deal with bushes because, especially if they're like really big ones. And rhododendrons are pretty like rugged, so you can't just like kind of push it out of the way and just, no, they got thick branches. And so I put the ladder at it kind of a, an awkward angle. You really want the angle of a ladder to be like this. And this was, I had to get it kind of flat to just to manage over this bush. Well, sure enough, I get up on the ladder, get my paint hook on the bucket, hook it on the ladder. And about a few minutes in, the ladder, the whole ladder just slipped right out. I fell into the bush with the ladder and the paint went everywhere. So two things in one, you never want to happen. You don't want to fall off a ladder. You don't want to spill the paint. I was all right. There was a big pile of paint to clean up. Now, all that to say, when my kids are climbing the ladder, I did let them go up on the roof um, this weekend. <clears throat> but three points of contact on the ladder. Two hands and a foot, two feet and a hand. Okay? That's the key. We're in a series right now. <laughs> We're talking about journey to maturity. The ABCs of growing up in God. We are all on a journey where God is bringing us, as the Bible says, in two different places of growing up into him or growing up into Christ. And what we're talking about today is what I would say is the most important piece of that journey, the most important letter of this acronym we're using, the ABCs, and that is connection. The most important thing in painting, don't fall off the ladder. How do you do that? You have to stay connected. Three points of contact, okay? 
Same thing in rock climbing. You're climbing a wall, three points of contact is what they say to stay on that wall. When it comes to our journey and growing up in God, connection is king. This is where we hear Jesus talking about this. If you have a Bible, I'm just going to read a couple of verses from John 15. So you can turn there if you'd like to verify that I'm actually reading this from the scripture or to follow along. It's also helpful sometimes just to close your eyes and listen to it and kind of meditate it on it a little bit. This is what Jesus says in verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus goes on before this and after this to illustrate this picture that he's painting for us about a vine and its branches. Jesus is the vine, we're the branches. All of the life that a branch needs comes from the vine. If it's cut off from the vine, it's no good anymore. It has to be thrown into the fire for burning. Jesus talks about that. He talks about pruning us, about cutting pieces off the branch to help it bear more fruit. This journey that we're talking about, maturity. The key thing that Jesus is wanting us to take away from this analogy, this metaphor that he's using, is the idea of connection. Connection is king. Um, There's been a kind of renaissance, I guess you could say, in the church recently surrounding what brain science is teaching us about our relationship with the Lord and how we grow as human beings. We talked about this a little bit last week. One of the key ideas in what many of these authors are talking about and kind of a modern approach to psychology is the idea of attachment, meaning that it is who we love that shapes who we are, and and forms our behavior more than anything else in our life. Now, I'm not preaching a certain psychological approach. What I am saying is if that is correct, and that who we are attached to determines what our lives are shaped and look like, and even the behaviors and the reactions that come out of us, then Jesus, of course, knew this a long time ago, before the foundation of the world. And so as he's using this metaphor in the first century, probably unaware as a human being who has emptied himself of the privileges of divinity, the Holy Spirit has taught him about how human beings are to thrive and grow. And it is through relationships. It is through attachment and connection. There is nothing else There's nothing more important in this world to our brains, to our souls, our hearts, our minds than an established, strong attachment, okay? Now, you all grew up in a family, and uh, as you are getting older, as I am, you realize that many of the things that you do mirror what your parents did. Even if you told yourself, 
I will never do blank. The reason is because your brain is always looking to mirror and figure out how to make decisions spontaneously in life. And so all those years growing up, your brain is being trained for what it looks like to do in X situation. It's modeling, all this mirroring. Now, uh, these brain science stuff and, and attachment theory talk about two types of attachments that are formed. And these can be mixed in different relationships. One of them is a joy bond or a loving attachment or secure attachment. The second is a fear bond where you bond through a relationship of fear. And those things often are overlapping. Uh, Fear bonds are made when uh, there's some kind of insecurity in the relationship or uh, someone is, uh, you know, often leads to manipulation and such. Now, uh, these things lead to three different ways of attaching with people. Uh, Dismissive, distracted, or disorganized. Let me explain that real quick. Dismissive is where I lean in my attachment style, which means that when I get stressed or triggered, I want to avoid people. I want to walk away from relationship. I want to isolate myself. Another style is distracted. This is often a person that is constantly looking for a place to attach. The fear that's in them is, uh, I am not going to be attached to somebody. And disorganized is a combination of the two of those. Now, there's a ton written on that. You can Google it, and, and you can read about it all afternoon if you were inclined. The point that I'm trying to make is that attachments shape who we are, and it shapes how we relate to people, and it shapes how we relate to God. The ways especially that your parents or your caretakers growing up related to you influences the ways that you relate to God. And Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit are wanting to move you to a place where your heart is free from fear and continually open to love and open to relationship. You're not afraid of attachment. You're not afraid of being insecure. You're not avoiding relationships. When you're experiencing distressing emotions, you are moving towards people and towards the Lord. And the good news is, is that, thank you, is that uh, our brain is, is continually able to grow in terms of its capacity to share joy with people. Are you tracking with me? which means that that is the way that healthy bonds and relationships are formed. It is through sharing joy, appreciation, experiences. So when Jesus, it's no surprise that in John 15, he says, why is he sharing these things with us about the most important thing in our lives is to abide in him, to remain in him, to be connected to him. He says these things so that his joy will be in you and your joy will be full. You see, attachment, connection, and joy go hand in hand. Life is about joy and love. Those are the two sides, right? And joy and peace, those two sides of the same coin where we experience peace with people and then move to joy. And then we calm and we share joy. We laugh and then we go, ah, right? That contentment. God's wired us so that 
Enjoyment is what builds our relationship. I want to say something else. Like, understand that the fundamental nature of the being of the Trinity is love. I'm going to go against our Calvinist brothers. The sovereignty of God is not his prime thing. Before the creation of the world, there was nothing to be sovereign over. But from all eternity past, the Trinity was enjoying one another in loving, peaceful, and joy-filled connection. That is what the being of God, it fills, who fills the whole universe, is all about. And that is the most important thing in our lives and the thing that will change us and transform us into the image of God like nothing else. It is being connected to God and to people. Sometimes we need to be, have an established loving connection with a person so that we can, we can actually make that jump to God. And other times we need to connect to God so that we can love the people in our lives. I want to say something about addiction here. Uh, addiction is a non-relational substitute for attachment and joy. Our brain is constantly on the lookout for joy. And so when there is a relational lack, in other words, we are not in a securely attached relationship, our brain will work like, like crazy to find joy and pleasure somewhere. We cannot stop that drive. It is hardwired into our being. And so if there is a lack of connection in our lives, addictions are where we go, whether it's food, alcohol, looking at things we shouldn't online, whatever the addiction is. So the way to break an addiction is, yes, putting fences around things and having accountability. Yes, it's going on a journey of, like, what are the lies that I'm believing in my life where I've been wounded and hurt, what often people call inner healing. But the most important thing is establishing healthy connections to God and to people, which is what breaks the cycle of addiction. You guys tracking with me? Because without that, without experiencing joy and pleasure from the presence of God and healthy community, our brain will continually be going to things that it wants. It's looking for joy. And addiction is a cheap substitute that doesn't last. All right tangent, okay? So how do we connect? How do we connect with God and people? I want to briefly talk about how to connect with people, and then uh, I'm going to finish with talking about how to connect with the Lord, and then we're going to practice that. So if you don't have a copy of this book that we're using as kind of a companion volume to this series, it's called Building Bounce, How to Build Emotional Resilience by Marcus Warner and Jennifer Hinman. You can get it on Amazon. Building Bounce is the title. It can go into way more detail about this stuff and answer a lot of questions that I'm not able to answer this morning. So I just would highly recommend that volume. It goes a lot into the Bible and also how your brain works, and it's very helpful, okay? Ways to connect with people. Things we talked about last week, obviously, uh, appreciation, practicing appreciation like we did at the beginning of the service, there's a point to that. You're creating an experience, you're reliving an experience, and you're telling it to other people. This, this week, in my weekly encouragement, I talked about the power of telling stories. So you're sitting around the dinner table, man, there's nothing like just telling a good story and allowing people to share parts of that story and reliving an experience together. Um, just doing fun things together. There is an importance to play, like playing games together. It bonds people together. 
Two more things I wanna share. Uh, vulnerability in terms of building connection with people and with the Lord too, although obviously he's you know, om, 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 omni, omniscient, so he knows it all anyways, but sharing from our hearts. I wanna give a quote from this. We cannot feel loved if we do not feel known. And we cannot feel known if we are not seen. Many researchers have concluded that the degree to which I am able to invite people into the messy places in my life is directly proportional to whether or not I feel connected and loved. So there's a case right there for vulnerability, which is why at Antioch we want to share life, okay, and get real. The last one I want to mention about connecting with people is empathy which in this book they define as this, connecting with someone in their shame and clothing them with dignity. So when someone is vulnerable and they share something that they feel ashamed about, you are saying, I'm clothing you with dignity. I love you. I'm with you. I am glad to be with you in this place of pain. That's empathy. It's exactly what God did for Adam and Eve in the garden. He clothed them literally and spiritually, prophesied over them, gave them this little hint of the gospel coming their way. All right? Okay. Um, One more thing I want to mention. Eye contact. When you make eye contact with people, it builds connection. It's a way to establish connection with people. And it's interesting that all throughout the Bible, there's a theme, you could go beginning to end, and how often it talks about God's face. Really interesting. There's something about the face and eye contact that God has wired us to connect with faces. I just remember reading a study long ago, if you have a picture of someone's face and you turn it upside down, your brain will not recognize it like as like a face as easily, as instantaneously as it does when it's the right way. So there's something about eye contact that can be really helpful. Um, Now, I mentioned kind of the Bible talking earlier about taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, our souls long to connect with the Lord. Oftentimes in this modern life that we live, I guess I could just speak for myself. That feels difficult. I can't actually see God's face. I've never had an open vision where I see him. I saw Jesus in a dream once. You know, it's hard for me sometimes still to picture what what he looked like in that dream. Um, How do we connect with the Lord? I mean, Jesus, in this passage, he makes it so important. Abide with me, you know? And I forgot to mention this earlier, but, you know, he also talks about the importance of connections with other people in this passage, just to highlight why I was talking about that last section. He gives this new command. He reemphasizes the new command he gives in John 13. He says, love one another as I have loved you. And then he repeats it again. You're to love one another. So he's seeing that even in our connection with him, there's this horizontal thing that's important to help us connect with God and that our horizontal relationships are important as well. So how do we connect with the Lord? <clears throat> Jesus gives us a few indications in the passage. I mean, he talks about letting his, his love abide in us or abiding in his love. He talks about remaining or abiding in his words. Oftentimes, uh, you know, in this kind of Protestant evangelical world that we live in, that's kind of been our go-to. We read the Bible. 
We study the Bible. We go to Bible studies. We talk about the Bible. Maybe we go so far as to meditate on the scripture. Um, and, and, and so we, we've lived in a very left-brained world. There's a whole other world of this phrase that Jesus talks about, about abiding in his love and ways to do that, of, of to lean into not just uh, the words, but also the presence of God. So I want to I give a couple um, examples of this. In the Eastern Orthodox Church, there's a long practice that's about 1,600 years old. And it's a practice called the Jesus Prayer. It's a very simple prayer. It comes in a number of different forms. But one form of it would be, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. And uh, different ones in the Orthodox tradition would just say this prayer over and over and over again. And the point of it was for the prayer, to they would describe it as seeping like and falling into their heart so that they would live their lives essentially aware of God's presence at all times. It's a practice that they've developed. I think John Chrysostom was the first one to kind of give a formula of this Jesus prayer and to advocate that it was said over and over and over again. It was a practice that the Desert Fathers did in the 400s. And so I'm just throwing that out there as something for you to consider. Uh, Catholics, or Catholics, Catholic brothers and sisters. Uh, there's a great little book that if you've never read it, I would, I would recommend it like no other. It's called Practicing the Presence of God. It's about this monk, Brother Lawrence, who made it his one spiritual discipline. The one thing that he did was continually make an effort to be aware and to tune back in that, to the fact that God was with him at every moment of his life. It was said that, you know, he, he says in the book it took him about 10 years of, of, of doing this until it was just an automatic reality for him at all times. And I've heard that it was said that people would come from miles just to watch him wash the dishes. Because as he talks about in the book, of doing everything in our lives with love, you can just see him lovingly caress these dishes that are made of atoms that the Lord has created in love, you know, and the glory of God is pouring out of him. We did a practice last week that I called uh, Emmanuel Prayer, where you're remembering a memory and sitting in that and then asking where Jesus is. This is, again, this is where Jesus is talking about abiding in his love. We've done a lot with abiding in his word. Again, we're abiding in his love. It's a way to engage with the presence of God who is with us in every moment. Um, I want to give you one more of these, and that is Emmanuel journaling. And so this is a little bit of a combination of your left and right brain, but it would be... uh, actively journaling as if God is speaking to you moment by moment and what is he wanting to say to you. Now, this weirds you out a little bit. You need to remember a couple things. Number one, Jesus said, I am with you always. And that was not lip service. This is as he is, he is giving the disciples his final words and before he is lifted up, he's saying, I will be with you always. And he instructs them earlier in the book of John about sending the Holy Spirit, right, to lead them into all truth and then to speak to them that he will give them the words to say. And the example that Jesus is using is in a moment of trial when you're brought before, you know, rulers and authorities. 
So we are learning in our lives to live in the presence of God, to discern his voice from our own head and the voice of others and the world and the enemy. And so uh, we, are, we are practicing listening to God's voice, okay? He's not muzzled, and Jesus is not chained to his throne, although he spends time there next to the Father, okay? He's with us. So what I want to do is, if I could get like three people to come up here, this is going to be a very guided and structured way, hopefully, for you to engage in this. And I'm going to ask you to, to can I have a three, three, three volunteers? We got one. I'll just make it a lot faster to pass these out. I'll give you a little bit of a bigger stack. All right. I'm leaning into my teacher years here. Here we go. Sorry, guys. I'm going to participate a little bit today. So uh, I'm taking this from a guy that Jade and I met this summer at an Antioch conference. His name is uh, Bill Gaultier. Uh, he and his wife, Christy, run an organization called Soul Shepherding. And so this was a handout that I took from him. And uh, it's, it's just going to lead you on a little bit of a journey of listening to the Lord. And so you are writing this uh, as if God is speaking to you, okay, in the present moment. So you're going to express a little bit on the front end. You're going to say, dear Lord, or some other name. You can fill in the blank. You're going to talk about something that you need his help with. And then you're going to be appreciating something. And then the rest of it, you're going to be writing down God's response as if he is speaking to you, what you're imagining he would say to you in this moment, okay? Uh, what else do you need from me? You guys feel like you got what you need to start on this? How much time? Um, I'm thinking like five to ten minutes, and then, and then Katie will start to play, and then if you need more time, wait, what? Yeah, maybe you can give some instrumental now just to give us a little bit of, um, and so we'll give you five to ten minutes on that, and then um, let me just, I just want to pray real quick as we're transitioning into this. Uh, Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you are with us, and you have uh, been with all of us. And so I ask that you would help us to engage with you right now, and that you would help us to build connection with you right now, that this would be a memory. This would be a moment where we can remember connecting with you and feeling your presence and even uh, hearing what you're saying to us. So thank you. So help us as we engage with this, Lord.